The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I'm your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 14 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So, put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Happy TGIF to all of you. I hope that you are enjoying the first week of spring. Over here on the East Coast, we've had kind of a weird winter. (laughs) It's actually been generally mild until we entered March. And sometimes it already felt like spring, but Mother Nature was pretty good at offering abrupt reminders that it was still winter. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the warmer, brighter season. Aside from uh, an actual vacation to New Orleans, I'm also looking to book up my June and July schedule. This usually happens pretty quickly, um, and I do have a handful of things already in there, but I do have some availability. So if you are interested in bringing me in to teach, choreograph, or speak, uh, listen through to the end of this episode to get info on how to contact me. Otherwise, a few announcements before we begin. I am teaching advanced beginner ballet classes through at least the end of April, every Friday at 6 p.m. at Broadway Dance Center in New York City. And then also coming up this spring, I'll I'll be premiering, not performing. (laughs) Uh, Other people will be performing my work, but I will be premiering a ballet at the Columbia Ballet Collaborative in New York City on April 15th for this group's 10th anniversary performance. This is uh, an amazing group of dancers. Some are former professionals, some are are students uh, that went through pre-professional training and then decided to go to to college. So uh, these are all Columbia University students. Um, But you can find ticket information on columbiaballetcollaborative.com. And lastly, a few days after that, I'll be speaking at Gibney Dance as a part of their Dancers Economic Empowerment Program. I'll be speaking beside Gina Gibney and Dante Brown about negotiating contracts. So on April 18th at 6.30 p.m., you can head on over to Gibney Dance and hear all about negotiating contracts. So lots of good stuff coming up in the month of April. I'm really excited about all of these things that are happening. So I hope that I will see some of you there and be sure if you do come to uh, let me know that you found out about all these things through my podcast. Alrighty, now that we got all of that out of the way, (laughs) let's step away from talking about my exciting upcoming events and chat a bit about a recent failure of mine. I feel like I've had so many positive things to share recently that I need to be forward, honest, and outright about the other side of my career. If you have ever taken my classes, you will find that I often talk about failure in the studio. For for some reason, here in the United States, we cringe when we hear that seven-letter word. Failure has such a bad connotation, so much so that many people avoid it at all costs, or at least they think they're avoiding it. (laughs) But trial and error, risk and failure are necessary to nearly every part of our lives, especially if we'd like to see as much growth as possible. 
When I was a teenager, I met a man named Bob Rizzo who had danced on Broadway. He also taught at Steps on Broadway and was on faculty at NYU's Tisch. Bob took me under his wing and mentored me for a few years. Uh, at about the age of 15, I was doing a workshop in the, the suburbs of Philadelphia. And after taking class, he swooped me up. <laughs> uh, during our time together, I got to hear about his teaching at NYU and even got to take a few classes on site there as a teenager. Naturally, this led me to gaining dreams of attending this prestigious university program, though my life and career, as you all know if you've been listening to this podcast regularly, it would not take that track. My direction led me in in other places. I I still have kept NYU in the back of my mind as I I enjoyed my performance career and uh, considered what would help me to best transition into the post-performance stage of my dance career. Once I made the decision to move to New York City a little over a year ago, which is still a work in progress, (laughs) I thought I should reach out to this university for opportunities to teach and choreograph. You could imagine my excitement when I received a message from the school at the beginning of January that they would like to have me come in and teach their graduating BFA and MFA students. Uh, If you need clarification, that's Bachelor in Fine Arts and Master's in Fine Arts. Um, But they they wanted me to come in and work with their, their graduating class in my developing style of contemporary dance. It was such a wonderful honor for them to ask me, especially at such an early stage of my growing teaching career, to to have them ask me to impart my knowledge and test out my teaching in an academic setting was just was very exciting. Now, something to keep in mind here is that I do not come from academia. I come from the wide world of professional ballet. So that means I didn't, I didn't attend a university uh, for dance. I began my career at the age of 19 and then jumped into teaching in my late 20s when I started freelancing and needed to, to have extra sources of, sources of income. Uh, I only started adding teaching contemporary technique about two and a half years ago in late 2014. So this opportunity to impart my knowledge was an incredible nod to my potential and hard work. The days leading up to teaching at NYU, I began the classic error (laughs) that many people have when they get big opportunities. Uh, I I began the classic error of questioning myself when when something like that arises uh, in, in uncharted territory. Having never been involved with dance in academia, aside from teaching master classes in contemporary and ballet technique at the University of the Arts in Philadelphia, uh, for an uh, extracurricular group at the University of Pennsylvania called Penn Dance, and also teaching company class for the Columbia Ballet Collaborative at Columbia University while I've been choreographing with them or on them. <laughs> I felt that I should ask for clarification at NYU as to what type of class a student should receive. And I, they asked me to teach a contemporary class, but I, I'll, I'll get into a little bit more detail. I, I thought maybe I should make it super academic and alter my class a bit to be more stop and start with more explanation and time for corrections. Um, Typically, most of the time, the way that I work right now, because I'm I'm brought into steps on Broadway and Broadway Dance Center, uh, it's more of a master class format because I'm constantly getting different students, and it's not like we're working week to week where I get to teach a concept and then grow that concept and then eventually move on to new material. I do do that at Greenwich Ballet Academy where I teach every Tuesday, but those students are quite young, between the age of 10 and 18. 
Uh, but yeah, so I, I was starting to think I should make my class super academic, um, almost like uh, if you think of a ballet bar where you do you give the combination for plies, you do the plies, you stop, you talk, you move on to tendus, uh, you stop, you talk, you learn the next combination, you move on to jetés. Um, I was thinking that maybe I should do that. But on the other side, I thought maybe they just wanted me to come in as a choreographer and really just warm them up and then dive into my uh, choreographic process. <laughs> Instead of reaching out to clarify, I chose to pretend like I know exactly what I was doing because I wanted to I wanted to appear confident. <laughs> so I walked in full confidence and all and gave the most academic contemporary class I think I have ever taught. Things seemed like they were going well, but I really couldn't read whether the students were enjoying the class or not, as they appeared to be intensely focused on the work. Also, as an instructor coming into a new environment that you've never worked in before, usually the first time you teach, you're really just kind of gauging and assessing where the students are, and uh, sometimes you might be giving them uh, exercises that are a little too simple because you want to make sure you didn't overwhelm them. Um, other times I've gone to classes and I started to give combinations and realized that they were way too advanced for the, the students that I was working with. So really, I, I usually look at these first classes uh, as a gauging class. If it's not a master class, if you have consecutive classes, then you do that. And uh, I was scheduled to teach the same class the following week. So I wanted to sort of gauge them the first week and then I'd take the next week to really sort of fine-tune what I had learned uh, in my research during the first week working with those students. So, like I said, I was scheduled to teach the following week, and I thought after my first class that I would send a message to the school asking for feedback on the class, because I was already starting to cultivate my own ideas of what I needed to do. Um, I did recognize that I needed to provide a little bit more difficulty um, but I, I wanted to see if they had any feedback to make sure that I was giving the students what they needed. This is where all of my emotional success of the new year came crashing to the floor. Um, if you've been listening to previous podcasts through January, I've had some really great things happen. I was commissioned for Columbia Ballet Collaborative and for the Uptown Dance Company in Houston, Texas. I taught master classes for the pre-professional division and intermediate division at the School of the Pennsylvania Ballet. Um, as you've heard, I've been teaching at Broadway Dance Center regularly, and I'm going to be speaking at that Dancers Economic Empowerment Program. Um, and a couple other smaller things. But so you, as you can tell, I, I had a lot of really great things happen in the last couple of months. Um, but all of a sudden, this was uh, one of my most exciting opportunities. And it, I had a very, very painful experience with this. But I was forced to take my own advice when it comes to failure. So let's talk about that before I actually share what happened. <laughs> So failure. Let's talk about failure Failure in class, which kind of pertains to all things in life. But since this is a dance podcast, we are obviously going to go from that angle. When we are kids, we go into class without even thinking about failure. You just go because you want to have fun. You want to hang out with your friends. You want to dance. You want to uh, move around. <laughs> you mess up. You do well. You remember some things. You forget other things. You don't think it's so bad if you fail. You just try again and again, and when you get the positive reinforcement of succeeding, you feel good about that. 
or at least I think most people do. <laughs> at some point, there is a transition that comes with the expectation of your continued success with certain steps, and you get moved up to the next level. This process becomes more finite, and the success becomes harder to achieve. Eventually, you find yourself becoming obsessed with the more difficult-to-obtain successes and deem your failures as negative because they don't feel nearly as great as the successes. But here's the thing. You must fail in class. It is an integral part of succeeding. As long as you study your failure, determine what caused it or what didn't, and try to succeed again with the understanding that you may still fail. I hope that makes sense to everybody. Because at some point, most dancers become so fixed on the negative side of failure that they forget how valuable it is to their growth. And once you become a professional, if you don't have many failures in rehearsals, if something happens on stage in front of an audience and you've never had to cope with, I don't know, falling out of a pirouette, uh, you may completely fall apart on stage. And in fact, I've actually seen that happen. <laughs> I've seen a dancer that was, I've even seen this with a few people, but there was a dancer that was great in the studio. They could do like seven or eight pirouettes. And the second that they got on stage, they were a mess. They, went, they couldn't even perform the series of, of pirouettes that they were supposed to do. When in, in the studio, it was just mind-boggling that they could perform such crazy tricks. All right, so now that you understand a little bit more of how I, how I think about failure, especially when it comes to, to this working in the studio um, or in your, your process of getting to the stage, um, let's get back to my recent failure. So, like I said, I emailed NYU for some feedback on my class and received a pretty quick, quick, <laughs> a pretty quick response. I expected to get some feedback, but I didn't expect what I got. In fact, I'm not sure I would say I even got feedback. Uh, what, what I did get was a polite message that stated that I wasn't a good fit for that group, um, which was kind of disappointing for me because no, none of the faculty really watched my classes. Um, this was just feedback from the students. But I was told, while I wasn't a good fit for that group, that I was being considered to possibly teach a class at an earlier stage in the college in, in NYU's, in Tish's uh, earlier classes, you know, think like freshman, sophomore. So dancers earlier are on in their college career. Uh, and I was also told that I was disinvited from teaching the following week. <laughs> Ow. I have I've really struggled whether I wanted to share this story uh, with you because it's happened so recently. And honestly, I mean, like I said, this, this podcast is about me being candidly honest with you guys. Um, and I honestly feared that if I, if I shared this story with you so soon, that it might undermine the other successes that I've had with sharing this contemporary dance technique that I'm developing. But I, I feel there is a lot of value in sharing with you guys, so I'm, I'm willing to do it. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of my, my MO. So, back to my reaction to this failure. My first responses were obviously disbelief and pain. Uh, I, I've been riding in, on, the, on the highs of my commission, uh, and that's the speaking opportunities and teaching those master classes. Uh, and I had actually had so many successes in the past few months that I almost forgot how to digest a failure, brush it off quickly, and learn from it. Um, it it's funny how the more 
successes you have and the less failures you have, uh, the less coping mechanisms you actually have to deal with that. So that was actually a very interesting. Uh, it was interesting to to note that and to to sit there and say, "Wow, I, I have more difficulty coping when I'm doing better than I, I do when I'm putting in the hard work, or if things have been going less than swimmingly." So okay, I was hoping for some clear and construct constructive feedback from NY NYU, but instead I received a politely harsh response with no critical feedback whatsoever. I quickly fixated on the response. All I could do was think about <laughs> that email. I think I actually had like a picture of the words in my head that kept on playing over and over and over and over again. Uh, and I, I fell into a five-day funk that nobody could bring me out of, not even my husband. My second reaction was to reach out for a clearer idea of where things went wrong because I hoped that I could at least gain something positive from this failure. I'm still hoping I get some feedback, but have had to move on and figure out the value in this experience on my own. Third, I had to dig deep and find the value to move forward positively from this challenging experience. The moving forward part has been the most difficult, but I'm getting there. This failure wasn't as simple as falling out of a triple pirouette or dropping my leg down to the, the floor in adagio and lifting it back up. This was more complex because I didn't have the information to fix the problem. So I was forced to dig deep inside myself, assume a hypothesis of the multiple scenarios that could have led to this decision, and then move forward with the plan to avoid this type of failure again in the future. I determined a few different factors that could have resulted in this outcome. The first being that they just wanted me to warm them up and act as a choreographer. Essentially a master class from a choreographer as opposed to a master class from a, an educator. Um, I mean, there's a fine line between the two. I think choreographers are all educators, but it's the idea of it being uh, a very academic class or process-driven class. Another idea is that I wasn't sure what the level was and assumed uh, too low uh, in developing the exercises that I offered. Or perhaps my technique needs more development to work with such a high caliber of dancers that mostly focus on contemporary dance. I mean, these dancers were fantastic. I, I really did enjoy working with them. Um, and will, hopefully one day that will happen. But the, the last assumption is that coming from the ballet idea of contemporary dance since my background was classical ballet which I've slowly uh, been assessing how I can bring that into a contemporary form of dance uh, maybe everything was fine but because my background was more ballet and it did appear that these dancers had more uh, of a modern to contemporary background uh, I I could have just legitimately not been what they're looking for as a part of their program so taking all this information in and also looking at the facts that many students and professionals have actually enjoyed my contemporary classes all across the country I either oversimplified my class when I should have asked what would be appropriate beforehand, or my technique isn't far along enough yet, which is fine because I've been developing the concepts for this only for the last year or so. I can't jump to step four when I'm only on step two. 
But the outcome I determined was that I need to trust my instincts and not alter my class for one place. I need to ask questions and create a dialogue if I do have any questions with an organization that I'm working with. And lastly, I'm ready to move on to the next step of creating this contemporary dance technique. I think because I've been working with younger students at Greenwich Ballet Academy that I've been really building this their technique from the, the base, from the foundation. And I, I need to think of the next step, which will make me a better teacher. It'll, it'll have me prepared for these, these kids at Grange Ballet Academy when they're ready to really push into the next stage of their, their contemporary dance training. Um, and it gives me an opportunity to have something so that I can share it with everybody else that I work with in, in the future. So, even without feedback, I have been able to develop a plan to move forward and grow from this otherwise challenging experience. Failure is a tricky part of every person's life. Some are more equipped to handle it and others aren't. Sometimes ones, like I said, the ones who are more successful actually handle failure the least well. As we climb up the ladder of success, we sometimes forget that failure is a necessary and positive beast in achieving any type of forward progress. I feel so lucky that I was asked to teach at New York University. I mean, what an honor that is. Uh, and it gave me a chance to put that on my resume and to assess where I am in the development of my goal to create a codified contemporary dance technique. My goal isn't to be a master instructor in contemporary dance within a year, two years of really focusing on it. My goal is to develop this, this codified contemporary dance technique. And I, I do feel that I'm on my way. I'm apparently not done yet, <laughs> which is really valuable information to know, um, so I'm really glad that I have that. <laughs> Beyond that, I can't wait to get there and, and show up at NYU again one day as a guru in contemporary dance training. Yes, this experience did hurt. It was an extremely painful experience. But just like falling out of a pyro in class, I get to assess that Maybe I fell out of the turn because my balance was pushing too far in the wrong direction. So now I get to push in the other direction and see if that fixes the problem. And if it doesn't, I'll have to seek that next possibility to gain that perfect pirouette. While sometimes painful, failure is so important for any person that has goals and ambition to do something positive with the things that they are passionate about. So go out there, be ambitious, and don't be afraid of failing. For if you don't fail, you will be a lot less likely to succeed. So on that note, go out and get them. Live out your dreams. Put yourself out there. Test the water. See what works. See what doesn't work. And, and go, go be as successful as you possibly can be. I hope that you take this advice to heart uh, as you've listened to my, my own personal story. And I, I hope that you push yourself a little more without fear of failing in all of your endeavors. So with that, I hope that you have a lovely weekend. And I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod a Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrycorollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope that you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me.
If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the premieredancenetwork.com. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram where my name is B. Carolus, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over four years. I also have two YouTube channels, B. Carolus, featuring my choreography and choreography, that's core-ography, featuring my choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod to Chat. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene. Thank you.